Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, uh, one day this past week, CNN's website had a breaking news ticker that combined three stories into one. It said, Israel expands operations in Gaza. Weekend shootings across U.S. leave at least eight dead. Matthew Perry's cause of death under investigation. These were the top headlines. And all of them are about death. And I'm guessing that of those three stories, the one most people are relating to is Matthew Perry's death. Not to say we don't care about what's going on in the Middle East or gun violence. We do care. But those things for a lot of people are still very abstract. They don't personally affect us. But Matthew Perry's death seems to have hit a lot of people home. Of course, some people kind of shake their heads and wonder why. Why do so many people care about this celebrity? They think, come on, there's more important things going on in the world. Yes, perhaps that's true, but then why are people still mourning for him? Why does it seem like every new detail about his death is becoming a headline? Because he was Chandler Bing, right? Could it be any more obvious? He was in their living rooms from 1994 to 2004. He was one of their friends. And yes, Chandler Bing's different than Matthew Perry. People knew the character, not him. But they still had a connection. They saw him every Thursday night. Today, on this All Saints Sunday, we remember those who died. Especially those with whom we had a connection. In your bulletin is the list of names that have been submitted these last few weeks. And when you look at that list, I bet you don't know most of the people who are listed there. Like most news stories about death, you know these people died, but their deaths didn't hit you personally. But maybe there are some people on that list you do know. They spent time in your life, and you spent time in theirs. Not as TV friends, but as actual friends. And so when they died, it hit you hard. And if you don't know anybody on that list, I imagine you can still think of people you know who have died. You were affected by their deaths. And you miss them terribly. All Saints Sunday is about remembering those who have died and grieving that loss. But there's more to it. This day is also a day about hope and new life. To see why... 
let's look at the first reading for today. In this scene from the book of Revelation, the narrator, John of Patmos, sees this vision of heaven and those who have died. And there's a couple of things to notice here in this vision. First, this vision is not about John seeing grandma and grandpa again. There is no big hug and kiss reunion for him. There's no big welcome home party as he makes his way through the tunnel and reaches the light at the end. Instead, he sees this vast multitude of people. So many that he can't count them. That's not to say John doesn't know anybody in the great multitude. It just means he can't pick them out of the crowd because there's so many. The second thing to notice is that this great multitude is centered around Jesus. The Lamb. So they're not in heaven doing their favorite hobbies for all eternity. Grandma is not knitting and grandpa is not fishing. They're not enjoying their retirement years in the ultimate vacation spot. And they haven't been eavesdropping on their loved ones and trying to send secret little messages. Like, oh, grandma liked blue jays and I saw a blue jay today. That must mean she's okay. No, come on. Instead, this great multitude of people is worshiping Jesus. He is all that matters. They are all gathered around the throne and singing their praises to him. And I know a never-ending worship service might sound like hell to some people instead of heaven. But the point is that Jesus is taking care of them. And in response, they can't help but worship. All of the pain and suffering in life has gone away. And all that's left is Jesus. It's a wonderful scene. It's beautiful and hopeful and life-giving. And not just for the people who died, but for John himself, too. Sometimes we forget that. I mean, seeing all of these visions does something to John. Right? These visions affect him on a personal level. He's not just seeing things play out somewhere else on his screen. He's not watching the evening news or scrolling through his phone. No, he is personally affected by what he sees. He is changed by these visions. But how? Well, over the last few weeks here, the midweek adult class has actually been reading about Revelation. And we started our study by learning about the four main ways that people approach this unusual book. Like the very popular theology found in that Left Behind series. 
But now we're reading a book called The Rapture Exposed by Lutheran theologian Barbara Rossing. And Rossing describes how Revelation is not a book about fear and violence. Instead, it's a book about hope and the victory of the Lamb. And yes, there's a lot of confusing imagery in it, but don't get lost in the details. Don't try to dissect it and think there's some hidden code in there. Instead, let it do something to you, like these visions did to John. Let it wash over you. Let it move you like poetry or music. Let it change you like an apocalypse. Rossing describes how the whole book is an apocalypse. In fact, the word apocalypse is literally the opening word which gives the book its title. Now, usually when we hear the word apocalypse, we think of like end of the world type stuff. We think of catastrophes and violence and stuff we might see on the news about the world falling apart. But that's not actually what the word means. Instead, apocalypse means a revealing or an unveiling. You're seeing something that you don't normally get to see. It's a truth that's been right there in front of you the whole time, but you often miss it or ignore it. This is what John got to see with these visions. And it's what we get to see with the whole book. And an apocalypse affects you personally. It changes you. Now, even though... Revelation is a confusing apocalypse for a lot of people. Let's think about two much more familiar ones. A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. In these Christmas time classics, which will be on TV again before you know it, we hear about two men, Ebenezer Scrooge and George Bailey. Each of them had certain ideas about how life works. But then they saw a revealing of a different kind of life. They saw a truth that had always been there, but they just never noticed it before. Ebenezer Scrooge saw life in different ways through the visions from the ghosts who visited him. And George Bailey saw a different kind of life through the visions from his angel guide, Clarence. Both of them saw the world in a new way. And it affected them. It changed them. Right? It hit them on a personal level. So by the end of their stories, their lives were completely different. You know the stories. They were much more about hope and love and new life now. Revelation works the same way. 
In our typical way of seeing the world, we see death as something that's just inevitable for all of us. We hear about it on the news all the time. We get so used to seeing those horrible images on our screens that we just become numb to it. That is, until death means that a seat at your dinner table is now empty. On this All Saints Sunday, we recognize the reality of death. But we also recognize that there's another story going on here. It's a story of hope and love and new life. It's about the power of Jesus for all of us. Listen again to the last line of our reading. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Your loved ones who died are part of that great multitude. They are under the shepherding care of Jesus, the Lamb. He has guided them to springs of the water of life. And God has wiped every tear from their eyes. Think about that. Your loved ones went through the great ordeal known as life here on earth. They experienced pain. They worried. They were afraid. They suffered. But all their tears have been wiped away. Jesus has refreshed them with living water. He protects them and cares for them like the good shepherd that he is. And as if that weren't wonderful enough, there's more. All Saints Sunday is also about all of us who are still living. Because all of us are saints too. You are a saint. Remember, being a saint doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you live a blameless life. It doesn't even mean that you're dead. No, being a saint simply means that you are loved and treasured by God. For example, look at all of those whom Jesus calls blessed in our gospel reading from Matthew 5. He's not blessing those who have died. He's blessing those who are alive. And in particular, he reminds those who are suffering now that they are still blessed. That means you are blessed. You are loved by God right now. Even in the midst of your great ordeal, 
The same Jesus who cares for your deceased loved ones also cares for you. This Savior who loves you in death also loves you in life. This one who conquered the grave gives you new life now. That's how the promise of this day is personal. That's how it changes us. That's the new life that's unveiled to us. And so as we gather together on this All Saints Sunday, we can imagine ourselves with all the saints, living and dead, gathered around the throne of the Lamb who nurtures us and loves us. Or, as we'll say in just a little bit, with all the saints, with the choirs of angels and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending That's because Jesus has said to each of us, he has said to you, I'll be there for you. And truly, there is no better friend than that. So in the name of the Lamb who gives us all new life, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.